Welcome back into One Winning Pod. Fortunately, another therapy session edition. The Baltimore Ravens were not able to hold on to their 10-point lead against Pittsburgh to take the loss. At the same time, the Baltimore Orioles were unable to procure a win in either Game 1 or Game 2 against the Texas Rangers in the ALDS so not a terribly great weekend uh, for Baltimore sports fans in a lot of ways. Uh, basically inverse of three weeks ago, right? You know, three weeks ago, we were all excited. The Orioles had uh, clinched the division. Ravens had an excellent road division win against Cincinnati. And then you get this Sunday. Sports fans, you know, it's uh, you got to you enjoy the high points and you got to suffer through the low points. It's just how sports is. Uh, drives you crazy, doesn't it? It does drive me crazy. It really drives me crazy that we got the worst timeline for the biggest weekend in Baltimore sports since, I don't know, probably been alive. I mean, I guess like Super Bowls are a little bit higher stakes, like even though they don't have two sports going on, but like of a regular season and a postseason, uh, I think that this is the greatest combination of all time because <laughs> mainly that basically means the Orioles have to be in the postseason and they haven't done that much. <laughs> um, so, you know, we had a divisional game against the Steelers and... I, I, I got to be honest with you, Peter. I didn't say it at the stadium, and we got the two two yard uh, runs early on that make us feel good. But I was like, once the the Ravens lost, I was like, we're screwed. <laughs> like <laughs> everything's going wrong. I don't know if we're gonna get the good timeline. I'm so worried. <laughs> it certainly did not feel very fortuitous uh, what happened with the Ravens, and just an incredibly frustrating game. We go into it first quarter. The Ravens are just doing whatever they can, both offensively and defensively. So it's, it's the Colts game. It was the Colts game again. First quarter, you look at it, it looks like it's going to be a blowout in favor of the Ravens. And then one bad play happens, leads to another bad play for the offense. Fumbles, drop passes. An offense that has all the talent in the in the league. I mean, you know, certainly, of course, there's there's teams with more offensive talent, but they have talent that can rival some of those guys. And yet we're just not seeing this unit be consistent from week to week yet. No, we're not. It's uh, it's brutal, man. Uh, we scored the first 10 points of the game. We scored them in 17 minutes and change. And then we just said we're done. And that's not going to really cut it in the NFL. And, that, and that's not acceptable for the level of offense we came to anticipate by the, all the offseason acquisitions and just, I mean, an NFL offense should score more than 10 points a game and they should probably score in each half, let alone maybe, maybe even quarterly, <laughs> you know, if they're good. Uh, this is, this is unbelievably bad. And I just can't believe what we watched. Um, we watched the first half pretty, uh, easily together. And, um, that was going okay. It wasn't great, but things were kind of happening. And then when we walked to the stadium to go to the O's game, we didn't really see the third quarter and nothing really happened, uh, at least on the scoreboard and everything. And we're like, well, the game is still going on. And they managed to uh, have 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. And it was just all from mistakes and missed opportunities. We were gifted the ball at the seven yard line. Surely we're going to get three. We got nothing. <laughs> We turned it over and it's like, and it's, and it's just doing weird things like Odell, uh, I think is a, a guy you want to trust in situations like that, but the pass wasn't good. And I don't even know if the design was great. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. It's incredible to me how 
discombobulated <laughs> the whole offense was. Like it just wasn't it wasn't clicking at all. Got to give credit to the Steelers. Uh, they fought. We talked about it in the preview episode with with Steve, or one of our uh, uh, friends who happens to be a Steelers fan. Um, you know, we, we said it, and I meant it. When this game happens, the records don't matter. They don't. It, it, you you look. I mean, look at 2015. Obviously, the Ravens worst season to date that John Harbaugh has coached. The only season of his that has ended in a losing record. What was the one high point of that season for the Ravens? Mm. Yep. Yeah, and they showed before the game, it was like 709 points for us and 711 points for them in the last, like all the meetings, including playoffs, in the last, uh, what was it, 16 years, like since 2007. Um, (laughs) That's nuts. (laughs) That's that's insane. (laughs) Because we know that there have been good and bad points for both (laughs) franchises throughout that. Um, Yeah. And, and so they, I guess that segues into what we want to start with talking with this episode about, which is, you know, and we were even saying it in the first half. We we're like, look, everything's going our way, but we don't like that they're not scoring points. Like you're leaving too much the score manageable within distance for a Pittsburgh team in this rivalry. Eventually, if you keep them hanging around, they're going to think that they can grab it. And that's exactly what happened. And the number one thing I think we need to talk about when we start on with this offense that everyone's talking about. And I think for good reason, uh, it's just the drop passes, drop passes. And it was everyone. It was Bateman. It was Aguilar. It was Andrews. It was Duvernay. It was, I I mean, Odell probably had a drop in there too. I I can't remember, but we're just listing out all these names, but you know, Lamar Jackson, I don't even think you could say that he, that any of it was on him. He might've actually played a perfect game, but just, there were too many times where we had receivers drop the ball in key situations, too many times where the pocket collapsed before he had any chance to look downfield and get the ball out. I mean, there's certain Lamar Jackson is not beyond reproach. Obviously there's certainly games where he's made mistakes and that has cost the Ravens. But in yesterday's game, there were just so many mistakes from other places. I don't even, I can't put anything that Lamar did wrong that lost this game. He made plays, just no one else around him was doing it consistently. This is a multi-tiered problem that's going to take a lot of discussion to to break down. Like, let's start, I guess, with Lamar. So his stats for the day were twenty-two for thirty-eight for two hundred and thirty-six yards and zero touchdowns. And this tweet is coming from Scott Barrett DBF or DFB, and he said if every pass that was dropped was caught and had zero yak, <laughs> the, the stat line would be twenty-nine for thirty-eight. 553 yards and two touchdowns. And that says it all. <laughs> There's nothing more really to say other than that. I didn't think I could get more depressed about yesterday's game, but I just did. You, you just did. <laughs> it's incredible. And, uh, and we got uh, Jonathan in the chat saying, Butterfingers are the official candy of the Ravens. Someone oh needs to God. shop that. I, I, I Send it off to correspondence uh, T and <laughs> Calvin for that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, bad times, man. Bad times. I guess we should also talk about the wide receivers. So this is interesting. Let me get back to my notes. <laughs> what is a drop is a, is a big question right now because some books say five. The eye test says like at least seven, could be more. I'm going to go off of the uh, 
good old uh what is this called? it's called true media which is an interesting name in this day and age true media here <laughs> has a uh, uh and this is all part of the athletic football show they they reference this this statistic seven drops we'll call it seven there's only been five games since 2019 with seven or more drops and uh they said that we lost six expected points because of these drops. But I, I, I looked at it. I did a little expected points wager. And I'm going to say it's at least nine. <laughs> at least nine points were lost. So, yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. And uh, I guess let's just start there. You have these drops. They're high leverage drops. They're downfield drops. They're touchdown drops. At what point are you, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's really anything we can say about it other than we can't have that happen. This is if we're going to drop the ball that much, we need to run the ball more. You know, you can't. And I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth in my head and wondering, you know, is this a problem on the player side or is this a problem on the coach's side? You know, because we're in a new offensive scheme, right? So how well do these players have that down? How much thinking is going on in the field? How game ready are they for these plays? We've talked about it. I mean, some of these concepts we're seeing that are getting rolled out look like they're straight from, you know, the Greg Roman playbook. It's obvious that Munkin is easing in his take on the offense. We're also seeing plays, you know, that we never would have seen in, in a Greg Roman offense as well, formations and to the like. The one that really concerns me here, and we've talked about this before with Rashad Bateman, but everyone said, you know, that's, that's an easy catch. You've got to make it. And in real time, you know, I, I was ticked off with Rashad. I was just like, Come on, man. Like, that's an easy play. You know, obviously, I couldn't make that play, but, you know, he's an NFL wide receiver. You got to make that play. But as the game went on and more time passed, you know, I was thinking about it. Like we've been saying, we're not giving this guy any opportunity to ease his way back into playing time. He's not getting targets. He's not getting featured. You know, that's I feel like that is also on the coaching staff, unless there's some stuff behind the scenes we don't know. I mean, since he's getting so few targets, he, he's got to be pressing a bit and overthinking when the ball does come his way. Like, I got to make this play or else it's going to, you know, when am I going to get an opportunity again, right? It just felt to me that we, did, even though that's a play that Rashad should be able to make, I don't think that the coaching staff and the game plans have set him up well enough to be prepared for that catch at this point in the season particularly with how much timing this last year. I'm going to push back just a little. And, and the only reason I'm going to push back a little is that the first game of the play of the game was schemed to him and they gave him a pass. That was his only catch of the day for eight yards. And to me, I was like, okay, you know, that was scripted. Um, this was to install that trust that you're talking about. However, I don't think they went far enough. So like I got it in the end. I do kind of agree with you. There was another pass, which I'm, I'm failing to remember now was either before the touchdown drop or after, but I think it was relatively early in the game. It was down the field a little bit on the left sideline. They threw it to him and uh, the ball was like a little over his head. Couldn't quite bring it down. I would say it's a high level of difficulty catch, not one that uh, I necessarily expect anyone to make, but you hope they make. And I will say the aftermath of his performance is what's most baffling. So he goes ahead and deletes his Twitter. And then uh, he refused to talk to reporters. And then he 
text Jameson Hensley, everyone's favorite reporter, Jameson Hensley. I just kind of crazy that like you just get a random ding from Rashad Bateman. <laughs> I guess as a reporter, it's not too uncommon, but it just like, you know, he comes in there and he, and he sends a, a whole bunch of, of texts basically saying, you know, they're going to bounce back, like or weather the storm, etc. Um, and he loves his team and all that. You know, it's, it, it, I don't know what it really like, if there's anything to really break down about it other than, I mean, clearly the guy's frustrated. I think he really wants to be a part of this team and like, be what we expected out of the draft and at this point though it, it feels like a a therapist problem more than a, a drills problem like there's something else going on i think um kind of in the head not like you know just like i think he's like too inside of his own thoughts um because like, you know we know he has all the talent he looks healthy out there um if he's not healthy it'd kind of be a surprise to me i know he had that like hamstring setback but i didn't really see any of that during the game so I just I hope it turns around, man. We we have all the hope in the world, but this is a, kind of the biggest problem right now is between him and Odell not stepping up. Yeah, Zay's playing well. Uh, Aguilar's exceed expectations too, and uh, Mark Andrews is still doing well. But I think we like if we really want this offense to to hum, you kind of need that third guy. It looks like or a fourth, you know, third wide receiver. It seems like. Uh, particularly with the amount of 11 personnel, there's three of them out there and only one of them are working right now, maybe two, <laughs> you know? So that's, it, mm-hmm. it is, it is a problem. I mean, well, also particularly since you're not uh, really featuring a second tight end in this offense as well, right? So, yeah. Likely like basically didn't exist in this game. Yeah. Like 11% yeah. of the snaps, no, no targets, nothing. It really is frustrating with Bateman. Um, and yeah, to your point, hopefully the, the guy is, is able to weather this storm because um, man, you're seeing some, uh, so people starting to lose some patience with him on X and um, never know what to really take of that. If that's really, you know, what the majority of the fan base feels or not, you know, if people are more leaning towards being fed up with this guy and, and thinking he's closer to a bust or, you know, maybe more on our side and feeling like he's going to break out, but it's just the cards just need to be in his favor to do it. It's just frustrating, you know, to see this guy. And we're just left here speculating. We've been speculating since his rookie year. Just wondering, you know, like you always say, and you grind the tape more on him than I do, but I have seen it the times I have. It's there. It's there for the taking when, whenever we can find a way to get him in the offense. Um, but just for one reason or another, just hasn't worked out yet. Um, but hopefully he can step up because, look, the other guys on this team, look, Aguilar's been solid. But I don't think that the best case scenario for this offense is Aguilar being the number three guy on this team. I think he's solid and can give us plays when we need it. But I think he has limited upside. Um, Odell, I I loved what he gave us in week one and week two. But my fear with Odell coming into this year is starting to come to to fruition right now, which is just that he might be a guy that at this stage of his career, his body's so beat up that we just can't trust him to stay healthy. Like you're saying, that play where they had him go against Joey Porter – Back in the day, that's a play Beckham would win nine times out of 10. But now at this stage in his career, um, Joy Porter, rookie, fresh out of college, has had good success coming out. He's a guy we liked. He's in his athletic prime. Putting Odell up against him. I mean, Odell's got the veteran knowledge to know how to do that, but I just don't think his body right now is, is there to make that play. And it's just, that's not saying he can't contribute to this team. It's just saying that, you know, we might have to manage expectations here with just the fact of what his body is physically at this point. 
particularly challenging when the ball is kind of like off target too. You know, maybe he could have done, you know, another the catch, one-handed craziness um, on that ball. But I, I don't know, man. It, it, the Odell, Odell thing's really strange to me as well. You know, he runs off the field, the trainers, comes back. Kind of unclear what happened there. You know, maybe it was an equipment issue. <laughs> they had to go back to the locker room to find it. I don't know. But it, not, it doesn't look pretty. And uh, I, I mean – Lack of production from him, it's 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 a challenging state of affairs with Odell. We're kind of uh, you know looking at this roster we created, and I think we're a little surprised by the way it's turned out. You know, Aguilar's been the most dependable of this trio we're talking about right now, excluding Zay, and just not not how we uh, wrote it up. I, I could have seen him being third, but second is it's kind of shocking. <laughs> you know, it's just it's really surprising, and it wasn't you know it was without his warts too. He had a drop that was a Touchdown. You know, I don't Huge think they even counted. Yeah, I don't think they counted in that one guy's stats because he wasn't in the end zone yet, but he had it. You know, he was on the, his way. And, uh, mm, I mean, the other thing, too, like, let's talk about Zay for a second. This guy was a roller coaster. Drops the ball, gets a catch and, like, jukes people out of their shoes. Drops the ball again, gets another catch, <laughs> juking people out of their shoes. <laughs> it's just like, you know, he was pretty inconsistent, too, in this game. And, it's just that's a, that's tough to build an offense on. I think the biggest thing we got to think about, and I think it was worse for the defense almost, but not that much worse. I think both sides had an issue with this. It kind of goes to the thing that Ken McCusick talks about a lot. If you're playing lesser teams. Like, do not give them the opportunity to win bets. Like, make a bunch of small bets, <laughs> win the game, get out of there. And the Ravens made a couple bigger bets, I think, in this game that they needed to take, and that cost them the game because um, they they fell flat. They went the wrong direction. And I mean, that's just so painful. Um, <laughs> listening to Christopher Harris's show, he said the Ravens offense has the attention to detail, like a toddler with a pink crayon and a white wall. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> that's a very interesting picture to paint, but I get it. Like we are just all over the place um, as far as execution goes. And I don't know, like people think it's a coaching issue. You know, the hardball conversations come up and I guess like in a way I'm like, do we need to baby these guys? Like the execution has been really poor. We've been left with timeouts in our pocket. Do we need to be calling timeouts and just like repeating ourselves? Like get down on the knee, get up their eye level, <laughs> you know, like kind of with the kids. Like what are we doing here, man? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer. Um, it's, it's just frustrating. You know, it, it's like the, th- and the thing with Zay, I mean, the, the thing we have to remember, look, he's still a rookie, right? He's still a rookie. He is showing that he is going to be a guy in this league who's going to be a playmaker, who's going to be a dependable guy, but he's going to make mistakes still. And I, I could certainly see, you know, Raven Steelers, even though right now it, it kind of feels like, you know, if, if anyone still keeps track with the MCU right now, everything post Endgame is kind of like okay. It's still you know you're still getting that thing if you tune in. It's still got the name brand, but it's just you know since since Suggs and Roethlisberger left, they were kind of the last last of that uh of that line that really made this rivalry what it is. I mean, it's still Raven Steelers. It just doesn't have that same oomph, at least in my opinion. Um, it hasn't mm-hmm. for a couple years now. Um. But still, I mean, you, you heard Roquan talking about the rivalry coming in, you know, saying that he, he hasn't earned the right to call himself a Raven until he beats Pittsburgh in 2023, right? Just saying, you know, you got to earn that right to be a Raven every year. 
Um, Tomlin made some remarks to about the rivalry and some pressers coming up to the game. So I, th- I think, you know, that that could have been in his head a bit, you know, just the game, what it meant to the fan base historically and stuff like that. Um, look, he he's going to make those plays eventually, but rookies make mistakes. They're not going to be consistent all the time, particularly when we're asking so much of a guy. Like you said, we're asking to be the number two receiving option on this offense. And honestly, the number one wide receiver, like, you know, Mark Andrews, even though he's a tweener, he's still listed as tight end. That's got to be in his mind. And that's got to have some type of at least be something that Zay has to like acknowledge mentally and, 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 and wrestle with. Right. I mean, it's tall order. It's tall order for, for a rookie on a team that's expecting to contend deep into the playoffs. It is a lot to ask of him. It is. And, um, at this point, I think we're going to keep asking. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to stop. We're going to ask him to grow quick and, We'll see, you know, what that what that garners us. But at the we're past, you know, a quarter point. It's stupid, like division. Seventeen doesn't divide nicely, but we're seeing some trends. We're seeing some trends with this team. One of the things is is just lack of execution um, in in these bigger points, and also just like these weird functional miscommunications. So I thought they just went for it on fourth down, and it was a terrible play. Because like people didn't seem to know what they were doing, but it turned out like it was a no snap situation. <laughs> They're trying to run down the clock, uh, see if they can get them off sides, and that caused like all the craziness, which kind of makes sense, right? You don't think the ball's going to snap. Everyone's surprised. They're not getting off the ball well. The rush gets there immediately. The pass, you know, the routes look bad. Like everything. Like no wonder that play looked awful. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know how we haven't coached that better. Um, you know, if you go up there saying it's a no snap situation, I guess he thought like, or I can snap it if I think they encroach, but like, that's the wrong, that's the wrong move. You have to have everyone else, you know, flinch, be like, oh, like he moved, I moved because of it. Like, that's how they throw the flag. You can't have the snap happen because once the snap happens, it's a real play. <laughs> like, it, it just feels like kind of one on one. Like, I'm not an offensive lineman. I, I can't say I would have fully thought of this beforehand, but it does kind of make sense. <laughs> you know, I feel like if I was an offensive lineman, I I would have known, like, in that situation, if we're looking to get a penalty, I don't snap the ball because we're not trying to run the play. <laughs> like, what was the play? It makes you wonder, was there even a play or they just go backyard sports? Because <laughs> the route Zay ran was weird. <laughs> it, it, yeah, what actually transpired certainly seemed very discombobulated. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea. that. Um, again, we're talking about young players making, making mistakes. Uh, we, saw, we saw Gunnar Henderson do it. In a uh, game one, yep. quote unquote, miscommunication between him and, and the manager, uh, miscommunication there between second year center Tyler Linderbaum and John Harbaugh. Look, I mean, it happened. It was not good. Uh, certainly, I, I think that is a bit of a momentum killer in a sense. It's just three points, but still scoring before half, always a great thing to do. Um, I don't think that singular play lost the game, but again, like we're saying, it was just one in a series of all these type of plays that just felt like they had no business happening. So, and it's a shame too because Tyler Linderbaum, he might have had the best game of anyone on the offensive line uh, yesterday, uh, but that mistake certainly looms large, uh, particularly at a position where the less attention you draw yourself to. For the average fan, the better you look. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think the other thing I want to talk about is the running game. We only ran it like twenty-five or twenty-six times this game, and it was always effective when we did. But I felt like again we kind of like forgot about it 
we went away from it in key situations. You know, we ran twice. So it was three negative one. And then we threw that interception when we were seven yards away. And I get throwing the ball there. I really do. I don't love, I, I, I think I always say this and it seems like maybe there's a, a correlation, but like whenever we run plays that have like only one option, <laughs> you know, like a very like clear, like it has to go to this guy. They seem to fail to us, man. <laughs> like even if the play goes to the number one read, like it feels like more of a real play. You know what I mean? <laughs> like these, these like <laughs> single point of failure plays. I don't like in these situations. They really drive me up the wall. Because uh, I like optionality. I think you have a quarterback that really is good at reading the field and, and picking a good option and to like really limit him into the single read, like, but that's the only read, <laughs> you know, like, because uh, like that's one of those classic, like the ball comes in and you're throwing it right away. Like you don't process, you just do. I, I don't love that. I really don't. I think it takes away from what Lamar does best. And uh, yeah, bad times. Yeah. I- Again, I, that goes back to, I think, what we were talking about in the offseason, why we wanted to see the Ravens move away from Greg Roman is those type of plays, those made sense back in, you know, years one and two of Lamar, maybe even three. But he has progressed as, as a passer and reader of defenses from then. There's no point of doing those plays, it feels like, particularly you have an offseason where you bring in three pass catchers. You, you have more options on the field. We don't need to just single in on one. You got, you got options. You can scan the field. I'm totally in agreement with there and also with running the ball more. Why didn't we run the ball more? I, I agree. You're everyone who ran carried average at least four yards per carry four for Gus 7.6 for Lamar. He was having a great game on the ground. Uh, 4.6 for justice. I know he had that fumble, but he was having one of his, the better games of his career, just from a pure toting the rock standpoint, making plays. And also particularly you're going against an offense that can't move the ball down the field consistently and and have quick play drives. So you want to chew up the clock. You want to pressure them because they know it's going to take them a while to get into the red zone when they have the ball. Yeah, I agree. It was an, it was an odd decision. I, I don't think that we needed to attempt as many passes as we did. It just weird, particularly after, you know, against Cleveland, where I thought we did run the ball a very healthy amount. And that translated into a very successful formula, and you were still able to have an efficient passing game. So, bit of an odd one there, a head scratcher there. Also, particularly Steelers' rush defense has been absolutely putrid the past couple years. So, yeah, another frustration. <laughs> I didn't do a split, but I really should have. Um, I wanted to look at the yards after we scored points versus before, but we were running at will. They would do the read option and they would completely read the wrong option and it'd just be a C and it was like one guy left to beat. So for Lamar, he doesn't beat that one guy. He gets 25 yards. Ho hum. Then for Justice Hill, there's no one that touches him. He runs 15 yards. He could have ran for 80. <laughs> like, like there was no one there. He, he scores a touchdown with ease. Like I, I don't know how you go away from that so quickly. <laughs> like, I mean, we're just discussed there 40 yards of rushing and in the game, we didn't have more than like a hundred and change, like 120. And w- that was just plays in the beginning of the game. The first, like the first productive drive. I don't, I know that like we, you know, by definition of having like worse drives, like, Oh, maybe the run success rate went down. Sure. But we also didn't run that much. So I don't think, I think it was just like, we, we weren't calling the right plays there. And that's disappointing, man. Like I really want to see a little bit more out of Monk in here, just being able to scheme up this offense to just get in a, in a groove. It seems like they're just hot. They're so hot or cold. It's like unbelievable. 
And with this defense, you got to, like you said, it's so smart. Like this defense is number two in Devoa. Okay. Like they are no joke. We all see it. And why are we like not just score some points, be efficient, take time off the ball, like clock and you'll win every game. Like you really will. Like it's, it's not a hard formula with how good this defense is playing, but we're just not doing it. Well, and particularly in this game, I mean, you know, it's like, it's not like the Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs are on the opposite side sideline. I mean, even <laughs> Steelers fans are, are being very frank, you know, Matt Canada led offense with the current skill positions is just not something that they have a terribly good amount of confidence in. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think about is maybe you look at the offensive line and you see what those going on there. And maybe that made the coaching staff feel that as the game went on, the Steelers were going to have more success in defending the run. I don't know, but. I don't, you know, I don't buy it for the a pass second, protection man. was worse. The pass <laughs> protection so was bad. worse than the run. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ronnie Stanley came back and uh, does not look healthy. Now, granted, sure, he had a tough assignment, but he's also one of the best left tackles in the league and has usually, when he's healthy, he can hold his ground against TJ Watt and that defense. But man, um, I forget if it was you who shared the tweet or, or who, but he gave up nine pressures, I believe, in the game. Of course, yeah, that's course, on Kfish has been grinding X for us. Love that guy. <laughs> Might be the only one of us who still uses it. Yeah, it seems that way sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he had, um, you know, nine pressure events. He did not look good in this game. And it's, it's definitely very concerning. Um, he had a couple plays that looked good, you know, like quintessential Stanley, but clearly was getting overmatched. Um, probably not 100% given that he was coming back from injury. Kind of fascinating. Didn't seem like an injury that should have held him up like that, but it seems like it is. So we got to figure it out, man. Like, I mean, if Stanley's not playing well, you got problems. But now the right side is in shambles. Moses, glass eater Moses, dog Moses was at the vet because he couldn't get <laughs> sued up in this game. I think it was a 134 game streak that got snapped. So he wasn't able to play in this game. McCary comes in. McCary plays poorly. Honestly, didn't play great. Not to the level that we would hope. Obviously, tough assignment, <laughs> these edge rushers we talked about. But then he gets a chest injury, which is horrible for a tackle, by the way. <laughs> I'm very concerned. I'm very, very concerned that McCarry might have a, a big problem coming up, uh, maybe done for the year. And the Philele is like just not an NFL tackle. I hate to say it. I really wanted to see more. I thought we saw some signs. This guy is a huge liability. I want to see Ben Cleveland. Like, <laughs> I really do at this point. I want to see Ben Cleveland ta- right tackle. Because if McCarry's hurt and Moses is hurt for another game, going to London, I think you got to put Cleveland in there. I think you got to try it. And that's scary. <laughs> that's not a great tackle option, but Falele was so bad, so bad that I, I, I have to pull the cord. I have to pull the cord. I can't, I can't let it happen again. It's like the, it's like a Baker situation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Baker and the web. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, I know we're talking about the tackles, but, um, uh, Another week again, Kevin Zeitler just not looking like the guy who we've seen the past two seasons in, in Baltimore. Uh, I, I hate to say it. I didn't really take a good look at him. Uh, just kind of was looking at the offensive line in general um, in my rewatch and just looking at where were the mistakes? Where were the mistakes happening? And Zeitler was among them. Uh, you know, it was mainly the tackles and him. It feels like whenever the, the pocket broke down, um, Linderbaum, like I said, he seemed to do fine in the game. John Simpson did fairly well there were multiple instances where i saw the 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 pocket collapse he still seemed to have a good handle on his guy but 
yeah, the, the older vets on this team, uh, we're seeing some signs of age, which is not great. Hopefully that'll, that can be something that can be fixed as the season goes on. But it's so far, it feels like we've had one good game from this line, that game against Cincinnati. And that's really been it so far. Yeah. Their defense isn't that good. <laughs> so it, here's my, here's my thing, man. All right. So I just, I just called for Ben Cleveland. I said, I want to see Ben Cleveland right tackle. If these guys don't get healthy. Well, let's hope they do particularly Moses. It feels like he'll come back. Right. Okay, so we have Moses coming back. He's a right tackle. How long of a leash does Zeitler have at right guard at this point that you don't you don't try Cleveland? I mean, obviously we're not there for for practices, but I think it's fair to say that the game plan for next year with no acquisitions whatsoever, which is not reasonable, right? There will be a draft. Um, there is like the, the chance of Voorhees coming back. Maybe he, even though we project maybe is is left, maybe he's a right uh, tackle. I guess actually probably or um guard rather i guess they could go to the other side I, I i take that back but cleveland cleveland like he's a guy he's there he's an option <laughs> I, i'm starting to wonder if he should get a run at at guard at this point like it, it's getting bleak with zeitler i don't think we're there yet i like having zeitler out there to help linderbaum i don't know if there's anything to that you know i, I will admit but that's a huge it thing seems that's to a me- good point yeah, yeah. He calls all the line uh, adjustments. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like having, even if Zeitler's not there physically, what he used to be, I just think having him with his knowledge of the game out there to help Linderbaum, um, to help the rest of the line is very valuable. Um, Cleveland, I agree. I haven't lost hope on him being a guy who can be yet another late developing, uh, late round uh, interior lineman that the Ravens develop and in year four or five explodes and becomes a guy who gets a huge payday somewhere. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like Cleveland's also still just a question mark. I believe that he has skills that can translate well, but I also believe he could be just a total wash as well. If we replace sure. Zeitler with him. So, you know, I, right now I am definitely giving a hard pass to that idea. Keep Zeitler in at all costs, but as the season moves on, if we're not seeing improvement from Zeitler, maybe I will, maybe I'll warm up to that idea. I don't foresee myself saying that, but you know, we'll see. We'll see a few weeks down the line. I think you bring up a really good point about him kind of calling the, the plays at the line and that uh, veteran expertise. And for those reasons, I do think he has a lot longer of a leash than maybe I give credit for just from the, the way he's playing. But um, yeah, I mean, hope, I mean, no, I don't have injury on anyone, but like, you know, if he gets injured, I think then it's a no brainer, obviously, because you have to bring somebody in. You bring in Cleveland, but then, I, then the question is: If Cleveland does play well, I don't know what you do <laughs> at that point. Because I will say this: You know, Zeitler's in the last year of his contract. You drafted a number one over, like a number one pick center, first center drafted off the board, and, and Linderbaum. Typically, you know, centers can have these responsibilities. It the the you're gonna you know, carry the torch over, right? Like it should go to Linderbaum eventually you would ex- expect. Um, so yeah, I think that, that's probably enough for the offensive line. Really, you know, dreadful performance. Um, and, 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 and this is becoming a liability. This is the trend. You know, if we're talking about from a quarter, you know, of the year gone by this line is not living up to any expectations whatsoever. It's been pretty yeah, bad. <laughs> and, um, wide receivers, Below average. I think running backs are doing pretty darn good considering they lost J.K. Dobbins. Uh, so, you know, congrats to them. 
But uh, guys, we got to just clean it up, man. Clean up the execution, the fumbles. Um, not ideal. <laughs> and, and go from there. Moving on to the defense, you know, got to give them big congrats. 53 straight games that the Steelers have, <laughs> as an offense, not gained over 400 yards, which is a ridiculous streak. It didn't take very long for the Canada uh, Boo Birds to come out at Akersher. They were booing him out of the job, saying, like, this guy's awful. I think they still think that after this game, <laughs> even after the win, but pretty bad uh, offensive performance by the Steelers. Um, and a lot of it did have to do with the defense by the Ravens. The defense did play quite well. Um, although I will say this is a very interesting game for the Ravens defense because of the personnel packages used and what they did with the secondary with the return of Humphrey and Williams. That 53 games is 53 straight games for the Steelers, right? Not 53 straight games the Ravens have held the Steelers' yeah, yeah. offense to under. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. so I was doing some quick math in my head. I was like, that can't be right at all. First off, <laughs> it's too many games. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I and I know that a couple of years ago, it was some injuries. Uh, Antonio Brown uh, ran wild. But anyways, yeah, you know, it's really incredible. Um, and it's funny that we're, talk, we're jumping right to the defense after talking about the offensive line. Because going into the year on paper, I, I know I thought I was just like, this offensive line, this might be one of the most solid units, if not the most solid unit on the team. And we look at the secondary and we're like, man, with these injuries, this cornerback room, huge question marks. I don't know. It's flipped. Definitely, I think our perceptions are flipped in the both those cases. Uh, this cornerback room continues to impress. We got Marlowe back, like you said. Um, looked a little rusty, made some plays, obviously gave up a big play. We'll talk about that. But they're continuing to truck along. Um, Ronald Darby, uh, Arthur Mollett. They're making plays. They're continuing to. Brandon Stevens is continuing to have a breakout year, looking like a completely different player, hard-hitting, making plays. Just have they been tested yet? I mean, that's still a question. Was the Bengals really a test? Hard to say. Matt Canada's Pittsburgh Steelers, I wouldn't say is a test. But again, like we're saying, you know, the environment of this game is different than a normal game with this rivalry on the road. So, look, they're continuing to exceed expectations and now you've got Marlon back now you have to see how do you continue to maintain that and keep guys in situations where they can thrive while you got your star cornerback back great problem to have um so yeah I mean we're continuing to see big things and hopefully this unit continues to uh build upon that week after week Marlon Humphrey played 56% of the snaps so he kind of was ramped up back in Darby played the other 44% of those snaps um Mallette or uh, Mallette did play a lot of snaps too. Let's see. Um, it's worth talking about him in the same breath. Uh, he played 35% of, of snaps here. And I thought he looked phenomenal against his previous team. Uh, have has deflections. He had a sack. Um, he's definitely stepped up as a, a solid slot corner option for when we don't have Hamilton down there. And then, um, you know, Stevens, our favorite fee safety, according to the game book, like you said, with 100% of the snaps, playing really well. I will say, this is not the deployment I thought we would get. Um, clearly, is the Ravens being a little surprised by how well Darby's playing to be able to do a rotation. I think in any other year, you're getting Humphrey back, no matter his hell, you're probably running him 100%. Um, unless, you know, it's pretty bad, I guess. So him, him having this ramp-up period... I think it's a testament to how well these corners were playing. And, and you're right. Like this group is, is really solid. Rock is in doesn't even see the field as a, a defensive player, only on special teams. 
kind of a fascinating turn of events. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think this quite answered the question of, okay, when he's back, what are they going to do with this excess of corner health? But what it did answer um, is that they played a lot more base in this game, which is interesting. Um, we saw 50% of snaps from Harrison and uh, we saw a lot less stone because of it. Cause then when they play base for like 50% of the time, then stone can only get out there for, Oh, look at that. 30% of the snaps, right? Because um, <laughs> yeah, cause they're going to have Hamilton play those, those safety snaps. So pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting turn of events, honestly. Uh, with the deployment of these these guys, bringing back these two secondary pieces really did shift the way our secondary is working, and I think the play calls. Yeah, definitely. Um, I hadn't looked at the numbers of base, but that is definitely interesting that we had a little more than usual. I, I guess I could see it, it kind of makes sense with how the Steelers' offense is constructed, right? What they yeah. run, maybe we'll see a lot of that against Tennessee as well next weekend. They don't have a huge number of options to throw to in the passing game. And you want to make sure you have big body guys to, uh, to tackle Derrick Henry. Right. So mm. yeah, I mean, I agree. We didn't learn too much about what's going to happen the rest of the way, but I mean, you're, you're probably not going to go full strength when you're bringing this guy back from injury anyway. I mean, we're talking about Marlon Humphrey coming back, Marcus Williams coming back, Ronnie Stanley coming back. I, you look at the game I do wonder if that had something to do with it. Like if it wasn't road game against Pittsburgh, would these guys have sat out another week or two? Right. Cause they, all of them to some degree, you know, didn't look 100% healthy. Some of them look healthier than others, but I feel like that rivalry really may have sped up the timeline for some of them. Uh, when really may have been a couple weeks later <laughs> for some of those guys. So yeah, it, it was at least interesting to see, to get, a taste of what it'll be uh, when, with Marlon back in the fold. But yeah, I agree. I think that there's going to be some more tweaking being done as Marlon gets more comfortable as some more time passes uh, and it might change from game to game. You know, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see the Detroit game. Uh, that offense is humming. They got plenty of receiving options there. That's going to be a very much more up-tempo game than what we're seeing this week and likely what we'll see next week against Tennessee. So I think that one will be really interesting to see what, personnel what formations the ravens bring out uh to stop a crazy to say it red hot detroit lions passing attack yeah no, that's a great point I, I look forward to that game as well for for those reasons I, I will say when i said that they changed the play calling i thought it was a lot of hubris to have that zero blitz single coverage on pickens with marlo who were allegedly saying wasn't 100 because he didn't play 100 snaps right um, giving him no help, and then he gets beat, you know, on this play. We don't see the Ravens defense do that. <laughs> you know, that's not something we've been doing this year. We've always had safety help. It's been to our our benefit. We've been saying how much it's helped. We're very happy about it. And I, I was very disappointed to see that call. Um, again, this is a gamble that you don't have to take, right? You don't have to take. <laughs> Let them beat you. Don't beat yourself. So I really didn't like that kind of call. Yeah, I understand that the pass rush wasn't very effective in this game. You know, four never got there, which is disappointing and worth talking about. But I don't care. <laughs> Pickett doesn't scare me. Like, give good coverage and you'll be fine. I mean, that that play is Wink Martindale stuff, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we saw in 2021. That's that's what lost us against Chicago. That's what lost us against. There was another game that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. And like you're saying, look, Marlins hurt. 
He's playing. He's not 100%. You know, also, he struggled against Pickens last year. I mean, sure, he was playing well this game when when matched up against him. But still, you know that he has a skill set that can get to him. I I couldn't believe that play call. Um, And we weren't the only ones. (laughs) I I don't think anyone did understood that. Um, And I mean, you got to give some respect to Kenny Pickett. I know he's not very good at this point in his career. You know, we've seen him. He doesn't look like he's going to be a guy who's who's really going to scare you. But we saw this last year. The guy is tough as nails. He is a tough football player. You give him the ball and say, I need you to drive, get the drive down and score points for us to win. Look, the guy sucked his whole game again on Sunday night last year, and he did the same thing. He had the game winning touchdown pass. Mm. That's just what this guy can do. You cannot let the Steelers stick around. You cannot let Kenny Pickett stick around. I don't care if he sucks. Somehow this guy knows what to do at the end of the game. And you cannot let a player that is able to do that have a shot. And that's what, what we did. And that, that was the result. Very frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) There's no other thing you can say about it. Yeah. He definitely seems to be a better player when the chips are on the line, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Many players don't, don't do that. But uh, you know, you look at the rushing yards, kind of crazy um under 100 yards rushing by this team 16 yards by picking on that leg for verse play but warren had 40 on nine attempts and Najee had 37 on 14 attempts those guys were relatively bottled up there was that one drive the touchdown drive where warren had some good run both in the pass game and in the uh, running game but other than that everything was kind of bottled up the whole game like the ball wasn't going anywhere a lot of empty calories they only had three points Super frustrating to see the the Ravens kind of falter like that at the end. You know, I think as much as we trust the defense and we're saying, you know, you play a complimentary football game, you score enough points, like, you know, call it 20, you probably win every game <laughs> this year. You win a lot of games this year by scoring 20. You, you, you score 30, you probably win every game with how the defense is playing. Um, I just don't know, like, I don't know what happened at the end there. I don't know if they were gassed. I don't think they were, but they just started making some, you know, Lesser plays. Correction to what I said earlier. We did actually win that game against Chicago. I forgot that was uh, Tyler Huntley did bring us back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that game. game we shouldn't have won, though. You're right. We shouldn't yeah. have won it, We should have, we should have lost it because we, we let Andy Dalton throw that bomb there on that zero blitz that they, they completed to. That was to Dante Pettis, wasn't it? It I was some so. obscure receiver. I think it was Pettis. <laughs> yeah, but we did have enough time to to drive down and get, um, get the winning... Uh, touchdown by Devonta Freeman yeah but yeah. Oh, sorry Marquise just, Goodwin Marquise Goodwin another one of your uh failed fantasy darlings but I knew it was one of them because guys <laughs> when uh <laughs> it was either that player or a different play in that game if they just like took a kneel they could have won the yeah. game but they decided to go ahead yeah so yeah it was just uh that was a, a coaching blunder crazy yeah but yeah, I mean, yeah, our rush defense this year is, I mean, I, I don't think that was a surprise. I think we thought it was going to be good. But yeah, it's been dominant. And man, in an infinite cap world, you'd love to keep this uh, tandem of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen uh, going. It's been incredible how Roquan has just unlocked Queen. And I think we can say for, for certain that Queen has been unlocked in this defense. This is now five straight games where he's performed. Consistency was the biggest thing with Queen in years past. Um, missed tackles was the biggest thing. Not showing up in big games was a, a big thing. He's shown up in every game this year. You're not seeing him miss tackles. He's attacking ball carriers. He's not getting dragged. Um, 
it's just something you can count on week in and week out is Roquan and Queen coming in and doing their thing, causing havoc in the run game, in the pass game. It has been the the base of this defense, the the foundation of it. And hopefully Simpson can can take over and and uh, Roquan can have the same impact on him next year because I don't think we're going to be able to re-sign Queen. I think he's getting a big payday somewhere. Unless he wants to, he's offered a, a huge hometown discount, and for some reason he decides to take it, which I don't think he will, and I don't think he should. Um, <laughs> I think this is going to be the, the the one season we'll have to capitalize on this uh, a full season of of this tandem. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't I don't see Queen sticking around, like you said, and uh, I have a, I have some concern about Simpson and our limited exposure of seeing him. I guess we'll see, but. Uh, yeah, it's just uh it's just this it's a it's a it's you know, enjoy the ride. <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts. I think this is gonna be a really good defense this year. Um I think the defensive line played really well. We saw um some really good performances from Pierce, Matabike, and um and Jones. They were able to dominate at the point of attack, get in the backfield, stuff runs, uh, create pressure even if they didn't, you know. Uh, get sacks and I thought that they I played the, I think they played really well and when you have that going on you know that's what uh Ray Lewis always wanted he wanted the line to keep the guys off him so he could hunt and Roquan has that Queen has that and they they be hunting yeah yeah definitely it's it's incredible it's it's a very solid group a very solid group I don't know if anyone's playing at a Pro Bowl level um but everyone's doing their part and uh, gosh it's also really cool to see Brent Urban come in here and, and be an impact guy. Um, guy, late round pick as a special teams. When he first came here, um, then obviously went and, and played some other places, came back and he's been a great rotational guy for this team. His, his big old six foot seven or whatever he is arm going up there and, <laughs> and getting in the passing lane, knocking passes down. Um, seems to be a guy who, who really gels with, with the chemistry of this team. You know, it seems like a guy that the guys like, I, I think he's been an incredible story. Uh, this year that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I mean, obviously he did well last year too, but I think he's stepping up a little bit uh, this year uh, with Calais gone. He's now the, the, the big guy there. Not that, you know, and I'm sure urban will agree with me. Not that he's anywhere near the caliber of a player that Calais is, but I think that he has kind of gone in, out there and been the, the, the tall freak on the defensive line that we can throw out there and, and really disrupt the line and, and, cause some uh some traffic in the passing lanes with his arms his wingspan there yeah great call out he had a sack in this game played well i want to just like one last ping i want to talk about with the defense and feel free to add anything else you want to talk about i really want to monitor this marcus williams situation because i really you know honor the guy for trying to come back and and play he's playing with his brace clearly kind of playing with one arm and i'm worried that like how effective he's going to be relative to how well stone was playing. And I know obviously Worley's hurt right now. And, you know, maybe Lucian's not ready for prime time. Fair enough. You know, I say all that, um, the guy that was on our practice squad got poached, so he's not going to be available. Um, so I get like, you know, we're at a, we're in a crossroads with safety. Um, there's not much depth, but I don't know, man. I, I hopefully it's something that gets better over time, but he was very clearly hampered in this game. And, it just makes me concerned that he's not himself. Like, I don't, I think he's our third best safety right now. And he's out there 95% of snaps. 
Holy uh, rush back. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, we know that, right? Yeah. We, like, we, we saw, <laughs> like, I mean, he didn't magically speed up that timeline. Like, the body's going to take how long it's going to take to recover from that injury. So, I mean, for the next two-ish months, like, he's going to be limited. That's just what, you know, what, what that injury is. So, it'll be interesting. I do wonder if he plays next week. You know, maybe that was just a, hey, let's come out for Pittsburgh, come out for the rivalry game, and then, you know, maybe – maybe sit out this week, see how the body responds to, to taking that week off and be back for a game where we'll, we'll need, you know, really good safety play against the lions. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, back in the day, back decades ago in football, you, you look at that and you're just like, man, look at that warrior. Look at him laying it all for the team. And now today with all the math we have and all the video, we're just like, but you're not yourself. You're, you're, you're gutting through it, but like you got a teammate here who sure let's, let's acknowledge that he doesn't have the same talent as you, but he's still pretty darn good (laughs) and he can do your job and just, you know, get healthy. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. To be honest, I I agree. I think that there were some plays that he, that he made, but he certainly didn't seem like his normal self didn't seem to have the same impact that he usually would uh, presumably. Um, But also Pittsburgh's not the best gauge for that because they, they don't really challenge deep very often. So I don't know. It's definitely something to monitor Um, and a bit of a gamble on Williams part and the Ravens part, not just like you're saying potential downgrade in play because he's not fully healthy, but also uh, a risk of, of aggravating that injury and making it even worse. So um, it's a gamble. I I get it. I get why he pushed to come back. I get why the Ravens pushed him to come back, but we'll just have to see if this was uh, the right decision. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Like almost all the production from the uh, wide receivers in this game were from the outside wide receivers. Like, and almost all like, um, you know, them either on the out, outer boundary of the field or maybe crossing the middle barely, but not like really. Like there was very little to, towards the direct middle of the field. I think they were afraid of uh, of Roquan and and Queen uh, lurking there. So, yeah, I mean, ten for uh, ten targets. Uh, six catches for Pickens for 130 yards. Of course, that back-breaking 41-yarder. And then Allen Robinson, the ghost of Allen Robinson, nine targets, five catches for 29 yards. So, like, other than that one big, you know, over-the-top play, obviously Pickens had a good game um, as well without that, but um, not, not nothing too too back-breaking for the defense and, and the secondary. So, we'll see if, uh, you know, how he handles... I think he's going to play. It's one of those weird pride things, man. Like they're veterans or marquee guys. They're uh, I saw cap guys. They're available. They're probably going to play. And even if they're not at a hundred percent or, or necessarily even helping the team, like it's, it's a very weird tightrope that uh, Harbaugh and the coaching staff has to walk here. Yeah. I think the one advantage you do have is again, it goes back to what we talked about with Zeitler, you know, having a guy with the knowledge that, that Williams has a football IQ you know, he knows he's going to be in the right place. Um, I mean, again, like we're saying, Stone, he seems to have really good instincts too, um, aside from when he's returning the football. Uh, but, you know, as far <laughs> as coverage, the stuff that actually matters, uh, you know, um, not saying that return skills don't matter, but, you know, it, it's it's a lot more of a, a problem if you give up, you know, big plays consistently rather than, you know, yeah. giving up some return yardage that your offense can can get back. Um so, yeah, I mean, not much more to say. There, there's concern, and we're just going to have to monitor it. Indeed. Special teams, we're talking about briefly. Uh, Stout had some great punts in this game. 
keeping uh, the, their offense inside the five. I thought that was really great. The block punt was terrible. Unfortunately, the all 52 is not available yet. I was looking just before the recording um, to kind of get a good angle on what went wrong. I think it was Stone's fault, going back to Stone as a personal protector, why that block, block punt happened. Uh, I don't think he picked up the guy properly. And that's the best I could tell from the limited angles and the poor angles uh, I saw from the game rewatch and the, and the highlight reel or whatever of that play uh, looking for the off 22 to get a true answer there. But this is a trend. Um, the special teams this year has not been great. And the DeVoe shows it. We're like 26 in special teams DeVoe this year, which is like uncalled for. <laughs> it's not, it's not Ravens football. <laughs> They're not playing like Ravens. Yeah, which is particularly embarrassing. I'm sure for Harbaugh, because that obviously is his calling card. You know, that's special teams coach. He knows it better than nearly any coach in the league, um, probably more than any head coaches. Um, look, special teams, I think, is really hard for us to break down. Maybe this week, if I have time, I'll look at the film, see if there's anything I can look at a spot that looks different than years past. My hope, of course, is that over the next couple games, special teams is perfect and we won't have to talk about it because yeah. <laughs> it's not the most exciting thing to talk about, you know, unless it's Justin Tucker. But yeah, he felt bad for Stout, man. Um, not his fault. He had a great game punting the ball. Uh, but, you know, when your coverage, when your protection's not there, that can happen. Luckily, it was only a safety and not a touchdown. Of course, it didn't end up mattering because we lost the game anyway, but, you know, could have been worse. But, it's got to get shirt up. It's got to get shirt up, especially when we're talking about these issues we're having on the offense with with drops and fumbles. We can't afford to be uh, adding on to that with special teams. I mean, now the special teams did give us a, a big play uh, that the offense was unable to capitalize with that with that recovered punt. Um, you know, the 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 fumble that got us the ball in the red zone and and seemed like it would be the play of the game, right? That would get us uh, over the hump. But I mean, still, even though there was that positive play from from the coverage unit. Um, giving up a block punt, especially that, you know, deep in your own territory is always unacceptable. It can, it can, it can't happen. Uh, so it's got to get worked up. I believe that Harbaugh can do it, but also at the same time, I don't have enough insight into it to say if the issues that we're having are definitely correctable with the personnel we have. So again, just something we can just hope that Harbaugh's track record will be enough, uh, to, figure out these kinks and to get them, get them shirt up. Yeah. We do have some special teamers that are, are hurt right now. Tom Wallace being one of them. So who knows, man, but let's talk some moral victories and wrap this show up. You have one, Peter. I do. And I kind of already talked about him, but you know, I, I think Brent Urban's been a great story for, for the Ravens the past two years, uh, really starting to shine. Like I said, it's great to see him have a sack. Um, always great seeing a guy come back to the organization, really enjoy, Playing there, embodying what it means to be a Raven and, you know, just accepting his role, right? He, he's a rotational guy. He's not getting all the snaps, but when he's out there, he makes an impact. So, um, Brent Urban, just want to give him a spotlight here and uh, just hopefully he continues doing what he's doing. For me, it's Millette. Uh, great revenge game for him. Got the sack, passed the flexion, played well. Appreciate his contribution so far to the team. I think he's giving us some flexibility to use Hamilton in different spots and not have him completely relegated a slot. And I appreciate that from him. So with that, we'll wrap up the show. Hoping for a big Orioles win tomorrow and the day after that. And hope that we have a game on Friday. Look forward to uh, to get this bad taste out of our mouth from the, the worst weekend in Baltimore sports. 
since we've been alive. Because <laughs> we always won the Super Bowl, so it's been fine. <laughs> I guess maybe the, the weekend when we lost uh, in 2019 was pretty bad, too. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we will push forward. And you can find us on Twitter, at OneWinningPod, threads, at OneWinningPod, emails at OneWinningPod, at gmail.com. Love to talk to you, and we'll see you later in the week talking about those Titans. <laughs>